You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Scientists at the Stowers Institute of Medical Research recently released a study examining adaptations in the metabolism of cavefish. They now say that the study's findings could help us understand more about human metabolism and what they call the evolutionary basis of being a couch potato. Joining us here to talk about it are two men who led this study, Associate Investigator Dr. Nick Rohner. Nick, nice to have you here. Hello. Also here is pre-doctoral researcher Luke Olson. Luke, good morning to you. Hi. So Dr. Rohner, what in the world is a cavefish? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, let me introduce that first. So they are fish that live in caves, right, as, as, as the name suggests. And uh, I, I would have guessed that, by the way. <laughs> I, I might have known that much. <laughs> very good. And uh, because of that, they live uh, adapted to a very different environment. So in the cave, there is no light, no plants, no food, no no food at all. So the food has come from the outside. And that also means there are not a lot of animals in the cave. So there are no predators in the caves and no current in the cave. So, so they're pretty kind of unique. It's very unique, yes. Yeah. And But the good thing is we have still the ancestors around, the normal surface river fish, and they are the same species. So we can directly compare what happens to their genome ah. if they either uh, when they adapted to this uh, to this new environment. You know, Luke, I'm wondering who in the world had the idea to begin to uh, study cave fish, and w- where did where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, studying cave fish goes back, you know, decades. Oh, does it? Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but studying it in relation to metabolism is something relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, you know, in this study, looking at the skeletal muscle. Uh, not much has been done looking at muscle within cavefish, um, and that really was geared toward uh, seeing how they move and the drastic change in movement of these cavefish compared to the river fish, um, mm-hmm. slowing down, becoming you know what we might consider very lazy in these caves, and, and seeing they're how couch that, potatoes in the fish family, right? They're, they're couch potatoes in the fish family, that's for sure. Yeah, well, whose idea was it to study that aspect of cavefish? Yeah, I mean, well, when, when Nick uh, luckily took me in the lab, um, my background was in exercise physiology with humans. And I was interested huh. in how does activity levels influence muscle physiology. And so when I walked in the cavefish facility, I saw these river fish, right, the surface fish, um, ch- chasing each other around, right? They're these rapid bursts of movement, whereas these cavefish are just swimming very, very slowly. Just sitting there all day. And I'm thinking they're the same species, and yet this dramatic change in movement, um, how does this affect muscle? And that's where it really began. Does that lack of exercise result in extra weight and early deaths for them, Nick, as, as you look at these fish? Yeah, that's actually the surprising thing. Despite the fact that they move so little and they have so much body fat, they don't have inflammation. They, they live long, healthy lives similar to the huh. river fish, more than 15 years. They are to- completely healthy as far as we can tell. And so that's why we're interested in studying how can they do this. Yeah. So what, what did you do? Can you put it in layman's terms for our listeners? What did you guys wind up doing here? Yeah, so first we characterized their muscles, and we found they have much fewer muscles, uh, muscle mass, less muscle mass, so similar to a person, to a couch potato who doesn't move a lot. Um, but it, 
doesn't affect their health. And so we studied some of the molecules, some of the genes that are involved in that, and we found some of the basis of why they can do this. So they, they have more of a storage molecule called glycogen, so they actually can swim very, very fast if, you have, if they have to. If you put your hand in the water and stir it around, you, I read you can really get them moving fast. Exactly. So we put them in a swim tunnel, and we put them on an endurance test, and after 30 minutes of swimming against the swim tunnel, they, they were performing as well as the river fish, despite having much fewer mass muscles and that was the interesting part. And that's because they have these extra ingredients that other surface fish don't have? Exactly. So they have this storage molecule um, glycogen which allows them to store excess energy in their muscle and so they can use this to, to burst their, their, their energy. I'm Steve Kraske and you're listening to Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. We'll be right back. And welcome back. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. Up to Date wants to know what people, events, and issues you want to know more about. Text UTD to 816-601-4777 and tell us. That's UTD to 816-601-4777. So I guess, Luke, the big question is, can this be transferred to human couch potatoes and give them more hope going forward? And are you guys really tr trying to discourage all of us from getting much exercise here? <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. Um, not yet anyway. Not yeah. yet anyway. Yeah, yeah, no. Is it translatable to human physiology um, and human conditions? Definitely. I think anyway. it is. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, you know, when we look at the fundamental characteristics of muscle, it's conserved across from humans to fish, right? I mean, the basic components of muscles conserved. And that's the case with cavefish. And so we're trying to see, are the underlying principles of muscle loss within cavefish similarly reflected within humans who've decreased movement? Um, are there the same pathways upregulated or downregulated in cavefish muscle as we would find in humans who don't move much? And if so, can we then therapeutically target that, say, within cavefish and see how that works and then translate that to human? And when you say translate to human, can you begin to imagine what that might look like someday? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the basic aspect we would be looking at is really changing the either genetically or, or transient changes within cave fish, and then we would test that in mammalian models, and then you'd begin to test that within humans. And, and so it's really the beginning stages. I think this study is simply saying we have this new model that has these extreme changes in muscle physiology where we can start to investigate these questions, right. whereas traditional models such as rodents haven't been able to address these challenges. Yeah, I, I wonder if you can give me some context here, Nick. I mean, how radical of an idea is is it again? I'm a non-scientist, but to even begin to contemplate the idea that you could translate what uh, is happening to the cavefish to uh, a living human couch potato? Yeah. So I think what what's radical, maybe not really radical about it, but but what's new about this is that uh, we have to look a little bit more out in nature. There are so many extreme examples out there in nature of animals that have adapted to very different environments, right? I mean, like uh, giraffes have very high blood pressure to actually get up the blood to, to up to their head, which is very high up, right? but it doesn't affect them. And uh, so, but high blood pressure is very bad for humans. So, so therefore, looking a little bit outside of the box may provide us with new ideas of how we can target some of the classical diseases. That and that's that what you're trying to do at the Stowers Institute. Exactly. Think that's, outside the box a little what, bit. That's exactly yeah. what we're doing at the Institute. You know, Luke, how difficult is it to study these cave fish and what they do? How challenging is that? Well, we're fortunate at Stowers to have a really amazing facilities and to have an amazing cavefish facility. So it's not 
You have a cave fish facility across the street here at the Sowers Institute? Across the street with thousands of cave fish in there. No um, kidding. From different caves. So we, we, you know, in this paper, we study cave fish from the Pachon Cave. Um, but we have Where, multi- Where's the Pachon Cave? It's down in Mexico. Um, so these, these river fish colonized a, a, a cave called the Pachon Cave. And they're considered Pachon Cave Fish. But, they're, but they colonize multiple caves. So the Tanaha Caves, um, the Molino Caves. And we have all these different cave fish in the lab. And this is a way that we can try to see, have they, have they taken a similar change in their muscle physiology across independent events? That's interesting. So you actually built a facility at the Stowers Institute to do your research. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nick, of course, spearheaded that. And it's 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 really amazing facility, which helps make uh, our research um, not easy, but not as challenging as it may be somewhere else. And Nick, are you guys in the forefront of studying this this, uh, this situation we're talking about here? Yeah, I mean, there are about 20, 30 labs in the world who, who use the cave fish as a, as a system. Um, so it's not as common as zebrafish or mouse or other uh, model, classical model systems. But there are more people doing this. And we are definitely part of, of, of spearheading this, at least in, if it becomes to, goes to metabolism and muscle physiology. We are probably one of the few who are doing this. Yeah. Just real quickly, do you have a timeline here? Might you have some results or some hope for uh, human couch potatoes in the next three or five years? Um, so I think the most important thing is people should still continue walking, right? I mean, walking <laughs> is the most, uh, I mean, the- We're the, not moving past that yeah, idea. There's a direct correlation between step counts and health. So, so please get up, go outside, walk a little bit every day. That's the most thing that's going to help. But long-term, potentially, we may find something. But we'll have to leave it there. I want to thank Associate Investigator Dr. Uh, Nicholas Rohner for coming in from the Stowers Institute. He was joined by pre-doctoral researcher Luke Olson. Interesting stuff. Thanks for coming in and sharing it with us. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank, thank you. you. That's it for today. You've been listening to Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Up to Date is produced by Zach Wilson, Reginald David, Elizabeth Ruiz, Zach Perez, and Hannah Cole. Our intern is Claudia Brancard. Our announcer and engineer is Paul Nakatura. Our theme music is composed and performed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.